Hello and welcome back to The Haunted Estate here with your host. Yes, that is me, Selena Myers. I hope you are all having a fantastic day. This is the final chapter of The Home Reader, A Paranormal Journey, written and read by yours truly, Selena Myers. Don't forget, if you want to call into the show, you can call us toll-free, 1-877-260-3428. Just an answering machine. You don't need to worry about talking to anyone because, darling, that is my fear, too. If you are more writing, if that's your style, I would love to read your work of stories, your actual stories, your friend's stories, your mom's story, your local legend, you name it. You can send that to Selena, C-E-L-I-N-A, at thehauntedestate.com. And last but not least, add me on Snapchat, Selena's Life, and uh, find us on Instagram. It should be The Haunted Estate or Vintage Tacky, one or the other because I'm tacky. We all know that. Um, Again, as you can hear the creepy music, I think I'm going to be taking things down a notch starting this 2018 once we are done the book. Kind of a slower pace, a creepier pace, more of a ASMR kind of experience. We are back to our old audio equipment as my fancy mic has broken magically as it sat on the desk being undisturbed for months. The good stuff never lasts long, does it? Anyways, let's jump into this chapter, which is the final chapter. The final chapter. Cassie. Imagine yourself walking blindfolded in a cornfield in the middle of February. That's about how easy it is to try and learn everything in the world of the paranormal. When it comes to parapsychology, demonology, and everything in between, there are so many professionals waiting and ready to tell you what's right, what's wrong, and how to conduct yourself when you come into certain situations. You would think that with the life that I've lived, it would bring me to have an extremely deep belief in God. Truth to be told, I still don't know exactly what I believe in. A part of me certainly does believe in a higher power. Another aspect of me has seen the way a man of the cloth has used verse to end a case of extreme demonic invasion. At the same time, I have also witnessed the overwhelming love of a sister perform the same act. Over the past decade, I have been able, I have been to countless conventions, met with many researchers, intended, attended speeches, and read hundreds of books that discuss everything from demonology to parapsychology and what may lay next for us. All I know is that good and evil exists. I've seen it take many forms. Many different cultures call out to separate idols to keep them when they find themselves in a dark place. I love the idea of someone taking care of us, that we go home someday, but I feel that everyone should search out their own beliefs to find where they want to place their faith. I've spent so many years chasing people for answers to questions that you can only ask yourself. I know my ideas will continue to evolve. Every paranormal adventure I step into seems to make me look at the paranormal in a whole new light. This case showed me how dark things can really become. I think of Cassie on the nights I lay awake. The fact that sometimes doing your everything can't always be the solution and that sometimes people can't heal from the events they've lived through and the things they've seen. Cassie, from all accounts, was a vivacious, eccentric eight-year-old. As an only child, her days were full of school, dance, swimming, and whatever the red-haired little girl's heart desired. Her parents both worked full-time at jobs that allowed them to live a rather posh lifestyle. Her father had been transferred from Florida to Ontario. 
At first, her parents, Eliana and Ricardo, were hesitant to uproot their daughter from the family and friends she had cherished so deeply. After weeks of consideration, they felt she was young enough, open, and mature enough to handle a change of scenery. So, within the month, they had brought a brand new home over the phone, packed up their stuff, and boarded the plane for snow-covered Ontario, Canada. Cassie was enthralled when the plane touched down that January. She had never seen snow and ran down the sidewalk catching snowflakes on her tongue as they waited for her father's company's car to arrive. The ride from the airport was short, about 45 minutes when they pulled up to a modern three-car garage stucco house. This was not Ileana's idea of home. She had grown up in a country house with sprawling land. She found comfort in faucets that didn't work, dirty walls, zero neighbors, and all these homes seemed to only be ten feet apart. Inside the house was very modern, every amenity you could think of and more. There were four bedrooms, four bathrooms, and more space than a family of four let a family of three could ever need. Ricardo was captivated by their home. He, on the other hand, had grown up poor. He was like a child running through the home, checking out every nook and cranny. The movers had set up the house with their belongings a week before they arrived, as the small family had spent their last two weeks in a hotel. Cassie was obsessed with the new house. The prior house had not been small, but was more dated. This house was open concept, and the ceilings were barely visible to the young girl. The first four months in the new home were nothing more than ordinary. Other than some unpacking, they had felt at home after a week into their stay. No one in the family thought they could love snow so much. Cassie had settled into school and made a ton of new friends who adored the fact she had been to Disney World. Once spring rolled around, the family hired a contractor to dig up the backyard for an in-ground pool. It wasn't long after they cracked the ground that they weren't bringing up only dirt. Cascading from the piles of dirt were endless amount of bones. The family of three were in the backyard watching the men work when the contractor yelled out for the men to halt. A wretched stench came from the ground. He jumped into the four-foot hall and saw that the side was littered with bone fragments. There were so many. Too many. After an hour of deliberation, they found some skulls. It was obvious that the bones were that of horses. It was also obvious from the brittleness that the brittleness that the bones had been there for at least a hundred years. Everything, everyone was commenting on how strange it was that the smell of rot had disappeared as fast as it consumed the entire yard. The whole gross experience only lasting a second. Bones that old should not carry any smell whatsoever. The men proceeded with their work, and by midsummer, the kidney-shaped pool was a bright blue and full of cold, refreshing water to help the family combat the fiery Canadian summer. It was a really hot day in August as Ricardo and Ileana sat by the pool watching Cassie and her friend Samantha take turns running along the deck and jumping into and onto assorted pool inflatables that covered the pool top. Ricardo watched Cassie jump onto an oversized alligator and slide off the other side. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. She had, like many times before, only this time her little red head didn't pop up. It had only been five seconds. She could have simply been swimming the length of the pool underwater. But since he was a protective dad, he raced to the side of the pool. Cassie was in the deep end, standing on the bottom of the pool floor. It took him a moment to realize that this pose was kind of impossible to hold. He found it strange that it looked like she was waving at him. By this time, twenty seconds had elapsed. Ricardo motioned for her to come up for air. Cassie started waving, her hands more violently. Ricardo felt the rush of panic and jumped in as fast as he could. His feet hit the bottom and he grabbed Cassie and pushed off the bottom of the pool. Cassie wouldn't budge. Ricardo frantically felt over her body and her feet to see what was holding her to the bottom. There was nothing. It was as if the little girl's feet were glued to the bottom of the pool. Ricardo was violently pulling on the little girl whose panicked arms were starting to slow. At that moment, Eliana knew something was wrong, and she too jumped in to grab Cassie and her husband. She too felt the concrete stance of her daughter, and in an instant, Cassie's body released from the pool floor, and the family shot to the top. Cassie broke the water first, gasping hard for air. She never lost consciousness, but her eyes were as if they were going to pop from her head. Samantha was at the side of the pool, crying in fear, and the family of three lay on the grass, trying to collect themselves. Ricardo grabbed his daughter, pushing her hair back, asking her if she was okay. Cassie made eye contact, but didn't move her lips, or even try to say a word. By that afternoon, he had the pool company there, draining the pool as he screamed at them about how his daughter almost died. The company gave them his word that that they would find the problem. The problem was that there was no problem. The place where Cassie was stuck was free and clear of anything that would have restricted her. Ricardo paced the pool floor but found nothing. All any of the men could do was shake their heads in disbelief. A week passed, and Cassie still had not muttered a single word. They had been to the doctor, tried to bribe her with a new iPad to no avail. Daily, Cassie was becoming less motivated. The doctor had thought maybe she had honestly had the words scared right out of her. That sometimes children use that as a coping mechanism. After a perfect MRI, the doctor suggests that they keep Cassie on her regular routine. That quickly proved challenging as the little girl who was once vibrant, full of luster and love, became withdrawn and strange. 
The little girl who they had raised for eight years was not even a fraction of who she was before the pool incident. When her mother woke her for school, Cassie would go back, shut the blinds, crawl under her bed. Most days, Eliana called into work and stayed home with Cassie so she wouldn't feel more stress. On the days she did go to school, Eliana would receive calls from her teacher stating that Cassie had been doing really disturbing things in class. From drawing fields of dead animals to cutting the hairs of her classmates and hoarding it in her desk. One night, Eliano and Eliana and Ricardo had brought Cassie a kitten. She had always wanted one. They hoped if they bribed her with the kitten, she might finally speak. They walked into the room and held the kitten in front of Cassie. The little girl's eyes lit up and she smiled. It was the first time they had seen this in a month. Eliana and Ricardo were so happy with the progress that they handed her the kitten without uttering a word. The next morning, they awoke and made their way to Cassie's room to attempt to wake her for school. Eliana called out to Cassie that it was time to rise and shine. Cassie opened her eyes with a giant smile on her face. Her father then told her to get up. She didn't budge. Again, he asked. Again, she laid in the same spot with a big, silly grin on her face. Finally, her mother came over and sat her up. The smile didn't leave Cassie's face, and her parents stood and backed away with looks of horror on their faces. Underneath Cassie's back was the lifeless body of the kitten. Cassie had laid right on top of it and stayed there all night. Her mother knew instinctively that this was done on purpose. The gruesome smile didn't leave Cassie's face during breakfast as if she was purely proud. While she got dressed, it still didn't budge, even as her parents asked her questions about what she had done. It wasn't until they were at the doctor's office for an emergency appointment that her grin fell, as the doctor suggests that Cassie spend a few nights in the hospital under observation. At this point, her parents didn't even fight the idea. They were afraid of and for their daughter, afraid of what she was capable of now. That night, the house too felt empty without their daughter. Eliana and Ricardo sat in her room. They had taken the cat out back that morning and buried it in the rose garden. It was so sad to see the little poor orange kitten's lifeless body cut so short, so soon. They were talking about the idea of moving back home, being closer to family when the blinds in Cassie's room shot down at record speed, submerging the room into darkness. Eliana rose to her feet, thinking nothing of it. It had to be faulty. Again, she mentioned how going home might be best for them, to head back to Florida. When a doll from the top of Chelsea, from, when a doll from the top of Cassie's closet fell. Ricardo was on his feet, making eye contact with Eliana. She knew what was about to do. Ricardo then agreed loudly that yes, they were going to pack up and move within the week. Once the words left his mouth, the bedroom door slammed as if an angry teenager had shut the door. Eliana and Ricardo held each other's gaze. Neither of them flinched when the door slammed shut. Ricardo had grown up very superstitious, and his mother was considered a healer. Eliana was not about to question what she knew her husband was thinking, as she herself had seen pretty strange things. 
In that moment, she had questioned herself on why she didn't think this would be something more than just a sick daughter. The couple didn't acknowledge what had happened because Ricardo had told her time and time again not to, all, to not acknowledge those things as it gave them power. Ricardo and Eliana went out for lunch to talk about what had happened. They opted for coffee as they were nauseated by what they had witnessed to be able to choke down any food. Ricardo first suggested that maybe now Cassie was in the hospital and away from her house that she would be fine. Eliana agreed. Ricardo called his mother in Florida and asked her what to do. They did not have a close relationship, and they had barely spoken since they had moved. After explaining to her the events of the last few months, the bones, she almost drowning, the cat, she had suggested contacting any native groups in the area and to start there. During the weekend, Eliana and Ricardo had gotten a call from the hospital with the opposite news that they were expecting. Cassie had gotten worse. She was not speaking, but screaming violently and trying to hurt herself. Eliana ran to her aid as Ricardo went to the house to meet the native man he had gotten hold of. He was a well-respected man within the native community. As he got out of his car, he was already spouting stories on how he knew this land. That this entire area was native land and much of the city was. They walked around the house. The man had been briefed on the situation, and after a long tour and testing the ground, he suggested that he thought the land had been that of a ritual area. That the bones had been used in rituals of many kinds. Some good, some, b some bad, and some you don't speak of. Two other men showed up. They performed a blessing of their culture and tried to speak to whatever was causing the family harm. Ricardo agreed that by the time the men left, the home seemed lighter. He had called his wife with the news, and by this time, Cassie had been in the hospital for over two weeks. MRIs, MRIs showed deterioration in the brain, a kind that they've only seen a time or two before, but only in very old patients. Eliana had taken a break from staying at the hospital and decided to spend a night in their own bed. After a peaceful night, they were feeling a flicker of hope for the future. Eliana had done some laundry and went into Cassie's room to put it away. As she pushed open the door, there was something behind it. All the toys in Cassie's room from the closet, boxes, and toy shelf were pressed in a pile behind the door. Eliana collapsed. Ricardo ran to her side to see, in fact, that this, whatever it was, was not gone. At this time, I had put an ad up on Kijiji for home reading, explaining what I did and how to contact me. I received the following message. Dear Selena, The past few months have been filled with tragedy. Things beyond our wildest fears have come true, and I don't know what our future holds. I don't care the price. We need to have some kind of idea of what is happening. Eliana and Ricardo. With a message like that, I placed the call as soon as I received the message. Like other clients, I told them I don't charge for what I do, and I could tell from the tone in her voice I needed to get there right away. Being only a short two-hour drive from my home, I set out. I found the house located in a new, pretty suburb. I met Eliana at the door. I shook her hand and tried to hold eye contact with her, but her eyes were so sad and tired I could only hold her hand for a second before the energy was too overwhelming. I explained to her on the phone that my process and sat on the stairs next to the front door. 
I stared at a pebble between the grain on the hardwood floor and focused on what I felt as the wood slipped away from me. The walls of the house became crystallized like a shiny see-through mirror. I walked around the house but found it too hard to concentrate. I made my way into a pink bedroom. It was the most girlish room I had ever been. And the pink room was not bright enough to cover the sick feeling of the dark blue mist that engulfed the ceiling. I felt drawn to the window and walked towards it. Looking down, I saw nine men and six women that looked of native descent. Some were naked, others covered in hide. They were looking up as if at me. I made my way downstairs and opened the crystallized back door. Now, there was only one woman, standing naked in the middle of the backyard. Her feet were submerged three feet into the ground, as if her spirit wasn't level with the lush green lawns that covered this property now. The woman was breathing heavily, and I thought she wouldn't notice me. As I got closer to her, she said, He say, I go. I didn't say a word, and she repeated, He say, I go. Within a blink of an eye, she was gone. I made my way to the porch and sat down to regain some, norm some normal reality. I told Eliana what I had experienced, and she told me about everything. The horse bones, her daughter, the cat, the native man, what he suggested. I suggest that, he con that she contact him for me. Luckily, he wasn't busy, and within the hour, two men and five women arrived at the house. I sat with them and explained exactly what the woman had said and how I had seen the group from the window. The native family was able to pinpoint who they should contact based on the descriptions I had given them. The elder man thought they just needed some guidance. That night, I left the house. So did Ileana. The native group stayed the evening and conducted what they thought the house needed. The next day, the man met with Cassie at the hospital, and she was clear. And he said that it was clear the energy that the house had held. All of Cassie's MRIs after that day did not show what was previously seen in the deter deterioration. She has shown a lot of progression since that day. But the truth is that she'll never be the same. In this field of work, you see terrible things. But the feeling that comes when you see the comfort you can bring a family that has been torn apart by the unknown is a beautiful thing. I don't think there is one person who works in this field that does not have some certain family or individual that haunts them more than any ghost. There are good stories. There are bad stories. And my story is just getting started. So that concludes my book. I hope that you guys all really enjoyed it. There was a lot um, taken out of that story by the editor, of course. <laughs> Um, it definitely was one of the craziest things I've ever seen and I know I, I really do downplay my part in all of these stories I don't know if it's just the fear of being criticized or being told I did something wrong but I did write this book a few years ago and one thing that I can say is I grow so much every year and if I could rewrite this book now I would but I hope that you guys really enjoyed it and I loved sharing it with you guys and I'd love to hear your questions and comments and answer anything you guys like and I'm just so glad to be back at the podcast and I hope it goes great places I'm really going to start trying to get it on Spotify so if we can start streaming there that'd be great but I hope you all have a fantastic new year I hope everything is great and I will be back with another episode super soon bye <laughs>